You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Voices for Justice is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and murder. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Some names have been changed or omitted per their request or for safety purposes. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Sarah Turney, and this is Voices for Justice. Today, I'm discussing one of the most infamous and puzzling missing child cases from Alabama, 12-year-old Sherilyn Marler. Just after the start of summer break in 1984, one morning, Sherry tags along with her stepfather, Ray, to run some errands. He needs to fix a combine and check on some crops before making the about 30-minute drive into the town center of Greenville to go to the bank. While I know I would have certainly skipped this trip in favor of sleeping in, Sherry was excited to go along. She loves farming, and she looked forward to summer break for days just like this. Days where she could be out in the fields checking on the crops, seeing what was new in the feed shop on Main Street, and I'm sure a million other tasks farmers have to complete to keep their farms up and running. All of this to say, Sherry was usually really excited to be hanging out with Ray, continuing to learn what it takes to run farms like he does. After fixing the combine and checking on some crops, they make the drive into town. There, Ray parks his truck behind a furniture store, leaves a dollar for Sherry to grab a Coke from the vending machine across the street, and walks into the bank. But 15 minutes later, when Ray walks back to the truck, Sherry is gone. This is the case of Sherry Lynn Marlar. On Wednesday, June 6, 1984, Ray Stringfellow wakes up with the sun in Greenville, Alabama. Ray's a farmer, so this is nothing new to him. Today, he needs to fix a combine and go into town to extend a farm loan at the bank. So he stumbles to the kitchen to make some coffee, tiptoeing past his 12-year-old stepdaughter, Sherry, who's asleep on the couch. Ray's sister's in town, so Sherry gave up her room for the night. Around 7 a.m. that morning, Sherry's mother, Betty, leaves for her job as a server at the local Waffle House. She, too, tiptoes past Sherry, almost waking her up as she leaves. But Sherry, like Ray, loves farming. 
it's just about a week after school let out for summer break. And while most kids would probably relish in the opportunity to finally sleep in, Sherry was ready to get out to the farm. As she hears Ray's truck backing out of their driveway, she comes running out of the house, shoes in hand, asking if she can come with. This was nothing new. Sherry was basically Ray's shadow. According to Betty, she went with Ray everywhere she could, especially when it involved being active on one of the farms Ray maintained. So early that morning, Ray and Sherry spent some time fixing the combine and checking on some crops. By 9.30, they're in town so Ray can go to the bank. Ray says that at this point, Sherry was pretty much covered in dust and didn't want to go into the bank. So as he gets out of his truck, he puts a dollar bill on the seat for Sherry to grab a Coke at the vending machine at the gas station across the street. About 15 minutes later, Ray returns to the truck, but Sherry isn't there. While Ray is a little irritated by this, he's sure Sherry was probably in one of the nearby stores just looking around. Or maybe ran into someone she knew. So he waits about another 15 minutes. But Sherry doesn't come back to the truck. This isn't like Sherry. Not only was she Ray's little shadow, but she was also just a good kid who wouldn't wander off and cause him to worry like that. So he goes into the gas station where she would have gotten the soda. She's not there either. He asks the attendant if they saw Sherry, and they say no. Next, he checks the feed store. No Sherry. After looking around town, Ray finds a payphone and calls the Waffle House where Betty is working, thinking maybe Sherry stopped in for a meal. But again, no Sherry. So Ray decides it's time to call the police, and Sherry was officially reported missing to the Greenville Police Department at 11.46 a.m. Now, Greenville, Alabama is a very small town. I looked up the population in 1984 when Sherry went missing, and it stayed almost right at 8,000 since the 1980s. And the thing is, the Greenville PD has never worked a case like this before. Captain Thomas L. Tutchin told the Birmingham Post-Herald, quote, this is the only disappearance from Greenville in my entire life, end quote. Not just his career, his entire life. Now, I don't think we can blame this police department for never having worked a case like this before. It's definitely a blessing for the community that they haven't had any other children go missing like Sherry but I think it's important to acknowledge that this is their first major case of a kid going missing in Greenville. That being said, it seems like what they lacked in experience, they made up for an enthusiasm. The search for Sherry was huge. The Greenville PD partners with the Butler County Sheriff's Office to conduct searches on farmlands, in the woods, and apparently close to 25 miles of swampland. Sherry's biological father, Ralph Marler, also traveled to Greenville to help with the search. They had dogs, a plane, volunteers, and a ton of local community members calling in tips. And the Greenville PD followed them, no matter how slim the chance of them panning out seemed to be. One woman called to say she had a dream about where Sherry was buried, and they went to the spot and dug up 300 acres looking for her. A dove hunter saw buzzards over an abandoned well, and without hesitation, law enforcement dug through the well, only to find a bunch of dead snakes. They also put out ads in newspapers, took her picture to local TV stations, and her flyer was at truck stops across the country. Of course, while the search and these efforts were happening, law enforcement began interviewing Sherry's friends and family, as well as the people that were in town the day she went missing. And after interviewing shopkeepers, the gas station attendant, the feed shop worker, the bank teller that helped Ray, and basically anyone else who was in town on the morning of June 6th, the police discover that not a single person saw Sherry in town on the day she went missing. 
This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. But it's also more than that. You can customize your own luxurious estate island, you can join a detective club, and put your skills to the test in a detective league. I like that you can play totally alone, or if you want to play with other people, you can do that too. I find myself playing June's Journey in little breaks during the day, or most frequently at night before I go to bed. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just looking for an escape, I really do recommend June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. As the news about 12-year-old Sherry Lynn Marler's disappearance spread through the small town of Greenville, Alabama, it seemed like everyone had a theory about what may have happened to her. She was taken by a stranger. She ran away. But many residents kept going back to the person who last saw her that day her stepfather, Ray Stringfellow. A resident of Greenville who asked to remain anonymous told the media, quote, that little girl never made it into town, or else I would have seen her. Wherever she's at, she's dead, end quote. Once word began to spread that both Ray and Betty refused to take polygraph tests, these rumors only got worse. However, while all these rumors were going around town, Ray and Betty were actively working on getting attention and resources for Sherry's case. About a month after Sherry went missing, Ray contacts the agency ChildFind. This is an agency that helps search for missing children across the U.S. They connect Ray with the D. Schofield Center in Tampa, Florida, and together they get Sherry's face on billboards, posters, and labels across the U.S., This generates a ton of leads, mostly sightings of Sherry from all over the country. Three different witnesses came forward to report a sighting of Sherry in the St. Stephen's area. This is about two hours away, and what they report is just heartbreaking. All three witnesses report that Sherry seemed disheveled and dazed. But what really made my heart drop more than that was that all three witnesses report seeing Sherry with what appears to be the same middle-aged man. They say he was about 50 years old, 5 feet 8 inches tall with a husky build. 
Normally, I don't put a ton of emphasis on one-off sightings of the missing. We know that there are just so many factors that could impact these things, but for three different people to say they saw Sherry looking disheveled in the same area with the same man, that sounds pretty credible to me. And of course, investigators run to St. Stephen's to track down this lead, but they come up short. If Sherry was there with that man, it seems that they're gone now or hiding. There were, of course, other leads too. People say they saw Sherry at a truck stop in Dubuque, Iowa, where again she was looking disheveled and scared. People say they saw Sherry in New Orleans, Meridian, Massachusetts, at a discotheque in Birmingham, and more. But again, none of these sightings panned out. In October 1984, just a few months after Sherry went missing, the Greenville police chief at the time, Kenneth Flowers, told the Montgomery Advertiser, quote, It's the most baffling case in my 11-year career in law enforcement. End quote. He says at this point, they are still getting tidbits of information, but nothing major. They still have people dropping in the station almost every day to ask if Sherry has been found, though. They feel the pressure. But even after asking the FBI to assist, they hand the case back to Greenville shortly after. And the case just sits, while the town continues to discuss what could have happened to Sherry, which of course affects her family. In 1985, her older brother Larry dropped out of the 10th grade, in part because he just couldn't handle all the talk about her. But then they get some very exciting news. The television program, Missing Have You Seen This Person, wants to feature Sherry's case. The show was hosted by Meredith Baxter Burney, who was pretty famous for her acting roles in Bridget Loves Burney, Standing Room Only, Family Ties, and more. After this, she would even go on to win an Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress for her work in A Woman Scorned, The Betty Broderick Story. All this to say she was kind of a big deal. On top of her just being a big draw for the program, it was also created by Cosgrove Mirror Productions. This is the same company that would later launch Unsolved Mysteries a year later. In fact, many people believe Missing Have You Seen This Person was a prototype for Unsolved Mysteries. But really, being on any TV show in the 80s was a huge deal. In April 1985, the episode airs, while Sherry's mother, stepfather, sister, brother, step-grandmother, great-aunt, and their family pastor gathered around the TV to watch. I can't tell you what Sherry's family was feeling at that moment, but I can say that while features like this are so exciting and spark a lot of hope, they're usually really hard to watch. When Betty sees the actress that played Sherry in the show, she begins to sob. Larry also admits that he had to look away from the TV at times. It was just too much. Betty would later say, quote, We hope to get something in the next 24 hours. You try not to get excited because it's like being on an emotional roller coaster. End quote. Luckily, the show did generate a lot of leads, mostly more sightings of Sherry. In the show, they featured a composite sketch of the man believed to be seen with Sherry. A caller from Boston says she recognized the man. There were also two new leads putting Sherry near Memphis, Tennessee, which the police called promising. Another put Sherry on an oil rig with a man in Louisiana. Unfortunately, none of these leads have led them to finding Sherry. As much as it pains me to say this, this is basically where Sherry's case is today. The show aired, generated some leads and sightings, but none led to finding Sherry. The family would soon express frustration about the lack of communication from the Greenville Police Department. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did provide age-progressed photos of Sherry that have been shared in several newspapers across the country. 
and her family continued to advocate for her and other families in similar situations. In 2013, Betty held a balloon release for Sherry on Main Street near where she was last seen. She said, quote, I guess basically what I'm looking for are some answers so I can get some closure, end quote. In 2015, Betty and Larry attended a prayer vigil for missing children and victims of violent crime. In that same year, she was at Alabama's first Missing Person Day event in Montgomery. This event was held for law enforcement and families of the missing to learn more about how they can advocate in these cases, including how to submit DNA. So her family has continued to be extremely active in advocating for her. But again, as far as credible updates, that's basically where the case is today. So what happened to Sherry Lynn Marler? Well, I don't think we have evidence here to suggest she ran away. I wasn't able to find any credible motive for her wanting to leave her life or her family. Also, she didn't take anything with her. And if she were planning on running away, why go to town with Ray? Why not wait for Ray and her mother to get out of the house, for her aunt to get out of her room, pack some stuff, and then leave? Also, it's worth noting here that Sherry was excited about her plans later that day. She wanted to watch her favorite soap opera and spend some time with her grandma. And investigators never found any indication that Sherry's name or social security number have ever been used. Like I said, I just don't think we have much here to suggest that Sherry left on her own accord. Now, we do know that investigators do believe that foul play was involved, which leaves us with a few different scenarios. One, Sherry was taken or harmed by a complete stranger in town. While many locals believe anyone from out of town would have stuck out like a sore thumb, something like that could have happened really quickly. I mean, let's say Sherry walked to the vending machine. Someone drove up, said, hey, can you help me find my dog? Maybe they asked for directions. They could have gotten Sherry close to their vehicle, grabbed her, and driven off in under a minute. We saw something similar in the case of Kara Chamberlain Robinson. However, Greenville Police Chief Lonzo Ingram disagrees, telling the Montgomery Advertiser, quote, I have a hard time believing that she was snatched off the street by a perfect stranger in Greenville. This is not like Birmingham or any other big city. If you was to see someone you didn't know, you'd find out quick who it is, end quote. The next possibility is that Sherry was taken or harmed by someone she knew, someone she would have gone with without another thought. Of course, that is a possibility but who that person could be is hard to say. The only person I've really seen considered in this theory is Sherry's stepfather, Ray. Now, without anyone else seeing Sherry in town that day, I do understand these suspicions. No one else can confirm Ray's story but Ray. Ray did pass away in 2003. According to Betty, before he did, he told her, quote, Betty, I wish I could go get Sherry and bring her home to you, but I can't because I don't know where she is, end quote. From everything I found, Ray continued fighting for Sherry until his death and loved her like she was his own. So take that for what you will. There is one last theory that I want to touch on. I found this on the Sherry Lynn Marler Still Missing Facebook page. I do want to preface this by saying that her family does not run that page, and I can't confirm that any of this is true. While this has been reported on by some in the media, I wasn't able to find any major outlets running with the story or even a mention of it by law enforcement. So take all this with a huge grain of salt. But with how little we know about Sherry's case, I think it's worth looking into. And according to at least one person involved, the Greenville Police Department did too. 
On November 25th, 2019, a woman named Cindy Severns Galloway made a very long post about what she believes is a breakthrough in the case. She says, quote, This has been a 10-year journey for us, one that involves thousands of hours of research, documentation, phone calls, years of spending sometimes four to five days in a row from sunup to sundown up to our necks in mud exhausted with our hands bleeding with blisters, digging with shovels through impossible pine tree roots and under piles of concrete slabs, working with cadaver dog teams, spending thousands of dollars on digging equipment and underwater camera systems to search old wells that could have caved in on us at any given time, walking and mapping wooded areas until we thought we'd have to lay down and sleep because we were so tired. Our work has paid off, but not well enough to get our hands on what's left of her or give her a proper burial and put an end to this horrible thing that happened to Sherry in 1984, end quote. This is a very long post, but Cindy goes on to say that while many of their sources are extremely credible, they are unwilling to, quote, publicly expose themselves, end quote. Then she presents their findings. She says they believe Sherry was murdered and dismembered by someone she knew and thrown into a hog pen in Butler County. Cindy specifically mentions that person was not her stepfather, Ray. Cindy goes into a theory about Sherry possibly being pregnant and a, quote, multiple family-based incest pedophilia ring, end quote. Cindy states that she has video evidence of two different teams of cadaver dogs hitting on human remains. She says that in the spring of 2018, she and her team began investigating an area they believed used to be a hog farm. Here, Cindy dug up what appeared to be an old concrete feeding trough, as well as a, quote, pair of child's pants that had large, dark, splotchy stains, end quote. Cindy claims the pants were tested by the Greenville Police Department, who later told her no DNA could be extracted for testing. Cindy says she and her team were eventually able to find the family who owned the land and the hog farm previously. One member of the family allowed her to look through old photos, and she found evidence of this hog farm existing. In one photo, Cindy says she and several others believe they see, quote, a severed human head, not the whole head, not a decomposed head or a skull on the ground below a young hog, eyes and mouth wide open hair still in place on the head, end quote. Cindy goes on to state that the Greenville Police Department was present while cadaver dogs hit on the exact location she believes the old hog farm was in. She says the Greenville PD took possession of the photo from the original owner and turned it over to the FBI. But she says in May 2018, she's been told repeatedly that no one has ever heard of, seen, or received the photo at the FBI, nor has law enforcement reached back out to discuss the photo. So she went to Facebook with this story and these photos. This post has over a thousand likes and over 2,000 shares. In the comments, many people say they see what Cindy sees. They see a human head next to this hog. The photos are old, and obviously the resolution isn't that great. Honestly, I could argue it either way. Because of the possibility of this picture containing real human remains, I will not be sharing it. While I can't vouch for Cindy and her work on this case, this felt like more than just random internet sleuths presenting theories. If the Greenville PD really did get involved, I think it's worth talking about. That brings me right to her call to action. Please share Sherry's story. Obviously, I don't know what happened to Sherry Lynn Marler, 
All I can hope is that the Greenville PD investigated this and is getting closer to getting justice for Sherry, because cases like hers are being solved what feels like every single day right now. There is hope. Sherry Lynn Marler was only 12 years old when she went missing, but at that time, she was five feet, four inches tall and weighed 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. Sherry also has a two-inch scar on her stomach and a wide one-inch scar on her upper back near her shoulder. She was last seen wearing a red plaid flannel shirt, jeans, gray sneakers with Velcro fastens, and a watch with a black band. If you have any information about Sherry's case, please call the Greenville Police Department at 334-382-7461. But as always, thank you, I love you, and I'll talk to you next time. Voices for Justice is hosted and produced by me, Sarah Turney, and is a Voices for Justice media original. This episode contains audio editing by Alex Button. If you love what we do here, please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the show in your podcast player. It's an easy and free way to help us and help more people find these cases in need of justice. And for even more content, check out my other podcast, Disappearances, only on Spotify. Welcome to the secret after show. Um, this case was hard. This case was hard in that there wasn't a lot of information. Also, I really struggled with presenting that last theory from the Facebook page. And I think the only reason I did end up presenting it is because this person claims to have worked with the police department, which is a pretty bold claim if they're not being truthful. Again, I don't know if that's correct or not. There were two other people tagged in that post um, that, that helped with the search, according to the original poster. So I'm hesitant to discount that and just say, all three of you are lying. You know, the hundreds of hours or whatever that you claim to put into this case, you're lying. So I just wanted to throw it out there, like I said, with a big, huge, major grain of salt. But yeah, I mean, if they found that and they really did work with the Greenville Police Department, maybe whatever they found wasn't Sherry, but it could be someone. The only other thing I wanted to talk about in relation to this episode was that quote. And uh, I said a few quotes. Let me be a little more specific. This is the quote from the person who, of course, wanted to remain anonymous because she says, I would have seen her in town and that girl's dead. Now, I don't know. I don't know why this shocked me so much. I see this stuff online all the time. Like, I can't tell you how many TikToks I have out there about missing people where, you know, it's usually like a kid, right? It's usually just some dumb kid who writes, she's dead, LOL, or he's dead, LOL. And this felt like the 19, you know, 80s version of that. And it really just hit me hard. Like, <laughs> I guess I'll just never understand why people say those things. And 
If you're ever faced, you know, if you ever find yourself in this intersection of statistics versus hope, I just hope that whatever you say, you keep in mind that the family and people who are holding out hope could hear that because, yeah, I mean, I think families are all too aware of the statistics about what happens when kids go missing and the very good possibility that, you know, after a certain amount of time, they'll never return home. So being this person, being this anonymous person in the paper who is too ashamed to say their name because they're saying something horrible is never a good look. And in my opinion, it helps absolutely no one. That statement that she said, even publishing that, even, you know, and I wanted to to leave it in the episode because it felt very stark. I wanted people to go, ooh, that's, that's not a nice thing to say in hopes that it prevents other people from doing it in the future. Now, I don't think a lot of you, if you're listening to this show, you're probably not that person that's commenting this, but it was just one of those things where I was like, wow, wow. I don't know why I thought this was like internet troll specific, but yeah, we have anonymous trolls in true crime dating back to the 1980s. Yeah, so that was, ugh, what a what a nasty quote. Just don't, you guys, just don't. There's no reason to. There's no reason to tell somebody their missing kid is dead. Unless you have genuine information, then you should go talk to the police department as well. But outside of that, there's just no reason for it. Other than that, I did want to circle back to our last after show moment where I shared where I shared some things with you. Um, if you didn't listen to that, that was two weeks ago now because I did, I actually, I was warning you guys that I might take a break, that I might need some extra time for the trial and life and everything that's happening around life and the trial. And you guys were absolutely wonderful. I, I did take a, a little time off so that I could um, process. That's what I really needed to do um, was process and take some time away so that I can come back fresh to the podcast I don't want these episodes to suffer either. I don't want to push out content just to push out content. I want these episodes to be as complete as I can make them and as well done as I can. And you guys were so cool and so understanding. And I got a lot of really, really nice messages. So I just wanted to say thank you. But as always, thank you for tolerating me. I love you and I'll talk to you next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.